Hello everyone and welcome to Autism Stories, where we connect you with amazing people who are helping autistic adults and teens become more successful. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. I've been thinking a lot lately about music as it is something that can be a place for refuge for me and so many others. There are many talented autistic musicians out there, but they can often be overlooked by the record industry. On this episode of Autism Stories, we talk with Robin Jacks, the founder of Tiergarten Records, about this and how his record label is bringing neurodiverse musicians to the masses. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Robin, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Doug. I just wanted to start off and learn where does your story in the autism community begin? Technically, begins at birth, but in terms of where my actual diagnosis came in, I was diagnosed quite young. I was about two or three. I can't remember exactly. My parents either had a bit of a speech delay in terms of development, and uh, I got that diagnosis. And after that, my own my life with the autism community sort of ran in parallel to it. There was to be part of it until very recently where I started getting involved with community and trying to discover more about this disability rights movement and things like neurodiversity, those kinds of core concepts. Now, present day, you are a uh, musician and a talented one at that. And in... And in 2016, you started your own record label, Tiergarten Records, to showcase your own music. Why did you decide to go about the path of creating a record label as a way to showcase your music? From my experience uh, in the music industry up until that point, doing something on your own was quite difficult to present as a something that was quite bigger than yourself. So I spent a year in a live music venue in Coventry and then five years in a record label that was associated with them. And I learned that the idea is that you theoretically get attention by just asking, I'm a musician, here's my stuff. But there were mechanisms that you needed to look after your music in other ways, whether it's registering your recordings for publishing royalties or beyond. It seemed better to present it as a bigger thing. And yeah, Tiergart became, was becoming, it's, it's an ongoing process, it's becoming that kind of thing where it's bigger and outside of just, that's my music, here it is in the world. And what was the process of starting your own record label? Mine was fairly painless compared to ways that, because it was just myself, the drive to do it, uh, through a digital distributor, I met at a conference in Liverpool. They facilitated help with setting up 
music for digital distribution to stores like Spotify and iTunes and beyond. But they also had the facility to help you start up a business so you'd get a bank account, you'd have registration with an organization called the PPL, so you'd be able to register uh, your recordings that way. Uh, it seemed like a very inclusive process, and doing it that way was quite easy. There are some drawbacks to how that setup works in the day-to-day, but it's done quite well for us so far. So I'm, I'm kind of happy the way it turned out. Tear Garden Records has, uh, and you touched on this uh, briefly uh, already, has done something that I'm not aware of any record company uh, doing, and that is expanding to be a record label primarily for neurodiverse uh, musicians. Why has this been such an important part of the vision of your label? Well, to say to be expanding, I guess there's the different definitions of how people see the word neurodiverse. If you look into the traditional way that Judy Singer will look at it, it is a natural state. It's neurodiversity is all around us. Where it different, seems to be different in public attitude is where a diagnosis toward neurodivergence, say autism, would then lead to like a different reaction to someone's prospects of being employed or even seen in the wider societal sense. So... I knew that was going to be an issue and there were things I struggled with in the music industry as an autistic person. Therefore, when it came to starting Tear Garden, it was on my mind and it wasn't necessarily the original intention, but the more I took my music to the music industry and I'd go to conferences and I'd mention these different concepts that a lot of people just had never heard of before. And realized that's actually something that's key to the label and its long-term goal is to be yeah out there advocating for musicians who have been bypassed by the industry traditionally because of your divergence what's been some of the feedback you've heard maybe from the music industry regarding your label for the most part if you have a one-on-one conversation people will twig to the idea and they like the idea the issue is being lost in the shuffle with everyone else you have a lot of competition against small independents who are fighting over the same bits of coverage some of whom are find it much more easy to get into the industry niches and particularly in regards to press coverage it didn't help for me starting Tiergarten I was in central Warwickshire, which is a long way from a buzzy spot like London or so that's the the general vibe is quite positive it's just being able to bring it to a wider audience to understand what we do and what could be done in the industry at large in the future and especially now with uh well the current time we're in there's a lot of talk of people having to kind of rework industry standards and maybe things that we've learned along the way could be applied to bigger companies. 
There are musicians from the UK and the United States on Tiergarten Records. How do you go about finding musicians for your label? Mostly by happy accident, actually. Um, so to begin with, was obviously myself, and I can look at myself every morning. And it's like, if you've got, have you got an album yet? Do you want to put it out? <laughs> my project with my friend Amber Bird, who's based in Seattle, we've been friends for over a decade. That's the Companions, as we call it, the as far as we know, the world's first transatlantic autistic duo, and. We took our time doing that, but we got there in putting out a single. The first external one was Patrick, and Patrick, I found out about through his visual art, he had an exhibition in a state agent of all places, which was in is in Enfield in London, and I found out he made music. I asked, would you give me a like, guided tour? He said, sure would love to do it and we got talking and we're now very good friends and he sent and we had this on and off where it's like do you have any music it's like oh yeah i'm making a record and i wanted to ask where he put it out it's like i'm really glad you asked because i was too nervous to do it <laughs> so patrick became part of the Tiergarten roster and then the most recent release the my name is blue sky and seven the Paul split uh, came about through contact with My Name is Blue Sky, trying to, who was in charge of putting together a compilation for Autism Awareness Month. So I got talking to him and he said, lay down the line, uh, I'm doing a split release uh, at the moment. And I asked him whether I, they would like to have it done for, it's called Cassette Store Day. So it would be released for a physical format and they agreed to that. And I keep tabs on what they're doing. So a lot of it is just things falling through bits of social media and contact through there. So it's just having your kind of ear to the ground where possible. And sometimes happy accidents come along the way. I think there's a lot of really talented, autistic, and neurodiverse musicians out there. So are you looking for more musicians? And if so, how would they get in contact with you? We are actually having a think about getting some artists to do digital singles. At the moment, uh, any sense of the traditional album cycle has been blown out of the water mm -hmm. for obvious reasons. Yeah, the best way, I guess... On the Tiergarten Records website, which is tiergartenrecords.com, in the contact thing, there's a Google form with details that you can send in through there. If not, there's email contact as well, if you just want to send it that way. Links are great. Links to zip files, fine as well. Um, anyone's kind of like an interesting concept and really really loves their artistry. I feel the idea of a lot of our artists were people who, again, weren't in touch with the traditional industry and therefore worked the ins and outs of having to understand why songs were registered with a piano or similar. So it's a if you have amazing music and you've never felt comfortable sharing it to 
other parts of the industry before send it to us and we'll give it as much listening as possible. And, and it seems in doing research for to interview you that um, Tiergarten, the the artists come from all different types of genres of music. Yeah, I think that's one of the things when looking for artists to be part of our family is that they're also part of you know the wider you know new diversity like community and particularly with autism as well, which is my background. But they're all telling a story. There's like stories in different ways and the key for me is that they're telling an amazing story and they're telling amazing music mm. so genre restrictions don't really bother me as much yeah we will work with everyone as long as they have you know they have love for it now a really important part of music that i i feel is the live experience but many times that can be very challenging for neurodiverse people due to sensory sensitivities. And what I've found is venues um, may not be very accommodating. Um, maybe you've found that to be a different experience. But what are some things that can be done to maybe make concerts and these venues more accessible? It's a really interesting question because I was... Through Attitude is Everything, who I'm a next stage artist with, they contacted by a journalist writing an article for The Guardian last year. And I was contributing a few thoughts on this. Part of it is venue staff training in existing spaces. I'm to say that you're going to make an entire quiet room in, say, Brixton Academy. It might not be feasible. A lot, lot of the independent venues as well in the lower rungs of the touring ladder I can't say that you're going to be able to turn it over and change all the lights again there are things which you have to do within reason but I think it's like a personal it's expanding people's personal understanding of needs and requirements in relation to access and I think that there's a fair way to go on that but there are organizations and people who are making giant strides being part of attitude is everything has been particularly inspiring in that regard and sometimes it comes with a bit of bit of sweetness we had an experience at a fairly major industry event last year which was the perfect demonstration of why we needed to do the work we do so yeah i think it's and these things where actual practical steps relate to interpersonal training and understand of needs and not trying to kind of cover the bases by doing one-size-fits-all solutions. You can turn the lights down a little bit. You can do... I know a local venue, to me, do quiet gigs where they make sure that you start turning things down below certain decibel ranges. Yeah, there's there's so many potentials of ideas. But again, the key is not to be one-size-fits-all. Now, with accommodations, I, I feel like whether it's music venues or 
restaurants or whatever public um, venues, a lot of times, you know, they might be concerned about accommodations because of the cost. Are there some, maybe some inexpensive um, things that ven music venues can do to just to start out with? Yeah, earplugs in all shapes and sizes can be acquired fairly easily. That's obviously one in terms of being overwhelmed by volume. Lighting tends to be the ones that the things that people worry about the most. Again, there are just little bits here and there. I mean, that's of, and some of it's an infrastructural thing as well. I have to say, infrastructure of say the small venues where is people running on a budget, taking over old buildings that haven't been used before for a while, mm -hmm. and thinking this space looks great and would be great to put gigs on without the foresight of who it would be good for necessarily. If you want to go to an event and feel comfortable with timings, put your timings out in advance. It's a thing that's came up in the last year or two where it was seen as, I wouldn't say it was disrespectful to support acts, that people would know when to come for the headliners and then go home again. But yeah, it does matter to people who have to make extra arrangements in advance that's a small thing that can count. And speaking about live performance, uh, you've been a performer for Spectre Arts Company for maybe the last year or so. Can you talk a little bit about those performances? Yeah, I joined Spectra in September. I was put forward to apply for that by one of my former managers at the Tin Music and Arts in Coventry. And... They had me back in September for a show called Eat the Stars, which was unlike anything I'd ever done before. It was immersive theatre, multi-sensory environments. Of, again, I got to play music in it, which is my forte, but there's also elements of dance and there's taste, smell is all involved. Small kind of perceptions of... And you also have this... I'm not trying to spoil the show too much. I'm not sure my director would appreciate it too much, but it was basically the core of everything because it's all about uh, the science of the universe and interpreting, interpreting in all these different ways, performing in accessible venues to very diverse audiences. And there was a lot of development as a performer and as a person by doing that it meant a lot to me to do it and they're a fantastic company and kind of parallel to me talking about with accessibility and meeting with traditional media of wider immersive theatre there's an amazing report by the journalist Bella Todd about disabled theatre companies not necessarily getting the coverage of their say, neurotypical able-bodied counterparts, which I'd recommend reading. Well, Robin, I really appreciated your time today. Um, thanks so much for the conversation. And I was hoping uh, you would end our time together by playing one of your beautiful songs, Miroslava.
Thank you very much, Doug. And yes, I will play Miroslava for you. And I always thought they were lighthouses. And one day I befriend them Crossing blanket night sky only In the darkness of December You met me on a corner of the city Shivering bones, black cotton and leather Tangled up in cold hair You always could remember Now I am years removed From the day I caught the gaze Burned through was internal and set my heart ablaze. She says that I am loved, words that I'd sing to the world. And even when my mind reacts like a stupid little child. Yeah. 
Thank you everyone for listening and thank you Robin so much for the conversation and for the live music. Modern life is challenging for anyone right now. However, when you're autistic, the world isn't designed with your unique traits in mind and everyday demands can feel insurmountable. At Autism Personal Coach, we celebrate neurodiversity by empowering adults and teens to be the best version of their authentic selves. The people we serve are the real experts. We're here to help make your goals a reality. On next week's episode of Autism Stories, we will talk with Christopher Jones about developing community through special interests. Talk to you then.